It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. You know, it's one of those things, you know, I told you guys you know, at the end of the year, this is where I wanted to be. I wanted to be back here. Um, you know, I knew that. And so to finally get it done and to know that I'm going to be back here and that I don't have to worry about anything else, you know, it was a huge relief to get that phone call this week. It is episode number 151. Uh, it is, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. It's actually before Mr. Bradford and his brand new uh, $22 million guaranteed deal has uh, said anything about it. So we'll be we'll be cutting it in and out and uh, be, make sure to be following everybody for all the wonderful takes, including uh, Mark Selvite's really dumb one about how this deal makes no sense when I think it's a win for everybody. But uh, we'll get into that, of course, in a little bit. We welcome back our lead draft writer from BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Ben Natan. What's happening, buddy? How are you? Well, Sam Bradford signed a new contract, and then I got a sinus infection. So <laughs> I don't know if those two things are directly correlated, but I'm I'm alive. It only goes up from here. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I know there's been a, we, we've we finally got most of the salary details out here. We've got. Where it is, we think they're going. It looks like it's a, basically a one-year deal. I'm actually surprised because I heard a lot of it's going to look like four and be two, and it's actually two, and it looks like one. I think there's a lot of upside as far as, hey, let's just figure out if this can get any better, and if not, you can you can move on from them. But I think the nine million dollar cap cut next year, it's a little it's a little big. I, I would say I still I wouldn't be completely comfortable with that. But hey. It's it's better than paying twenty one million dollars, so you still save uh, a ton of money there. Uh, more more of a, like an illusion of of saving money. But what do you make of the deal overall here, bud? I mean, I feel like we're having the same conversation this year that we did last year, where it's basically like, well, you know, Bradford's been in a bad situation for most of his career. We don't really know what the real Sam Bradford looks like. So like, let's take a one year shot on him in a supposedly quarterback friendly staff and quarterback friendly system. Like it, like I feel like that's the conversation this year and it's was similar to what it was going on last year. Um, I'm not the biggest Sam Bradford fan, but regardless, like I don't think the team has a great chance of, contending next year anyway so if they want to draft a guy this year and you know the day two and maybe sit him behind Bradford for a year and maybe Bradford performs well next year and then you keep Bradford for another year uh, and then you get to develop a guy on the bench and you know Bradford does whatever I I mean it's low risk for the team you know it benefits Bradford nicely in terms of uh, his pockets so I guess it's kind of a win-win like as a fan I mean, I'd like to see, uh, you know, new blood in there as, as soon as possible at quarterback, but I understand the logistics. It's just a little bit, you know, disappointing because I like shiny things. So. <laughs> yes, of course. Everyone does. And and look, I get it. And I think we touched that uh, last episode. You know, we've kind of poked all the all the different kind of holes in there. And it's just it, it is what it is. It's what happens when you're in a bad quarterback situation and you just got to kind of roll from here. What's more interesting to me now is to look ahead at, you know, the free agent's what's coming in the draft it doesn't make sense and 
honestly, Ben, this is what's, and we'll get back to this. And actually, before I say anything more, we've got a, kind of a jam-packed show here. So I apologize for not bearing the lead here, but we'll have Teron Davenport from EaglesWire.com. He did some great work with the Ravens last year. He's in Philadelphia now. He's going to be covering the Eagles this year. Great draft guy as well, so we'll be talking to him. Also, the guy who just might be Sam Bradford all alone because he has all the Sam Bradford information. Uh, Benjamin Albright will join us as well. We want to ask him some quarterback questions, and I want to start this quarterback question again with you here, Ben. Is I, I was very generally genuine, genuinely surprised that the Lynch train kind of shot up the roof as soon as this deal was done. As soon as this was made, I figured, okay, people start calm, start calming down here. Like, oh, you don't have to grab a quarterback now. But all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, this is a perfect time to now get Lynch and to, to trade back and do all the things that basically we have been saying for the last three weeks that you shouldn't be doing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are so now even more concentrated on getting a quarterback here? Because I think that they look at this, the Bradford thing, as like an incumbent to keep around while you develop a guy. Um, and it's not – I feel like it's not like dissimilar from when Harbaugh came into San Francisco back in 2011 and, and they re-signed Alex Smith to a two-year deal and the, or a three-year deal and then drafted Kaepernick in the second round of that draft. I feel like it's maybe not a dissimilar situation and, and maybe it's a similar impact. But uh, I mean, I can I understand the reasoning. I, like, if people wanted to get a quarterback now uh, and sit behind Bradford, like, I get that. I, I get that mentality. I don't know if I would spend a first round pick on him. Uh, I just think that's like a bad use of resources. I think that this team has other needs, and and you need to you need to add impact players now when you have a top fifteen pick. Uh, if you want to add a guy on day two and develop him that way, like that's something I'm more in favor of. But drafting a guy top thirteen to sit for at least a year is a little bit just a waste of resources. And I think you kind of see that, and you're right. I agree. I mean, this is this is the time where you you have listen. We've gone through Aguilar. Obviously, it's a, it's kind of a different situation. There's two bottom twenty players that they took shots on. You know, we can't talk enough about how bad Marcus Smith and that selection was. So those are two first round picks that you're like, man, that just it really affected what happened moving forward. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with Nelson Aguilar, but there hasn't been a guy that that's been drafted where you've gone one, two, three off the board. Bang, those are three impact players. I thought they were close last year. Because if Aguilar hit, wow, that's that's a fantastic draft. The first three guys that you selected are contributors. Not only contributors, but they look like you know, bona fide NFL starters, which with potential superstardom here. And I think that's still what they're looking for. I know that there's and there's arguments to be made basically for every position. Because if I argue, I think you should go Sheldon Rankins, which I've been saying for a while, and we'll get into that because. Uh, ben and I would like to do some gloating and some shaming about the combine and what we were saying about it. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but that's what I, I think the argument can be made for anything. You, you draft a tackle, not necessarily going to start. Uh, obviously, I think they'll get an opportunity to because Jason Peters, just by his track record last year and him getting older, uh, you know, he's going to come up gimpy. There's going to be some plays. There's going to be some shuffling around. I think that's bound to happen. Regardless, at least there's a starter in the waiting. The same with Sheldon. I don't know if he's going to start right away, but he'll definitely be in the rotation. He'll make an impact. He'll do those things. Wide receiver, to me, is probably the only spot that I see that could you could plug in and do it right away, whether that be Doxon or Coleman or Treadwell or whatever. And I say that full well knowing that even last year, in last year's wide receiver class, as much as we liked it, some of those guys weren't able to start right away. But I just look at, I guess to me, if people are looking for the best impact, I still think it's at wide receiver, Ben. I really do. I think that they need that guy that's a playmaker to complement the rest of the core. I don't think that, uh, and that's no slight to Jordan Matthews. That's no slight to even Aguilar. I just think they need more speed on the outside. I think that's been the issue ever since Deshaun Jackson's left and uh, somebody's going to pop, pop out of a birthday cake and say that he still still be on this team and blah, 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 and whatever. But that's what's there to me. That's the, that's where you can make the biggest impact. Would I be wrong in saying that though? Is that, that is that putting a lot of pressure on some of the guys there? And actually, before we get to that, uh, our good friend from Mile High Sports, Mister Benjamin Albright, is joining us right now on the Clip It Hotline. Benjamin, how are you doing this afternoon, my friend? I am doing outstanding, brother. Myself, uh, we're doing great. It's uh, myself and Ben Deton, and we're just hanging out. We're actually just talking about with the hoopla now and. 
I, I was actually saying before you just came on, you might actually be Sam Bradford because you make all the Sam Bradford news happen. We had you on 97.5 The Fanatic. You said there wasn't going to be that much of a market. It looks like it wasn't. Then you're saying that there's a deal that's going to be signed. It happened. Uh, I want to get your thoughts overall, basically, on how this went down. Was there really no market? And do you think it's a good deal for all parties involved here? Uh, yeah, I do think it's a good deal for all parties involved. Let me start there. This contract is, is essentially a cheaper franchise tag with a team option for rights for a second year. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson's plan all along has been to bring Sam back or bring in a veteran quarterback if he decided to leave uh, and then draft a quarterback to develop. And so that, that plan gets to stay in place. So Philadelphia's, you know, set up the roadmap that Peterson wanted to bring in is, is still in place. So I think it's a, I think it's a great deal for all parties involved. Um, and that said, the finances are actually pretty good. APY for a quarterback these days is a little over $16 million for a starter. Um, you know, Sam gets slightly above that. Alex Smith and Ryan Tannehill are making $18 million per. So, I mean, Sam should be in that, in that range. And we were just talking before then, too, is just like, how do you think this impacts the Eagles draft kind of overall? Uh, it seems to me that, like, a lot of, lot of Eagles Twitter is on, you know, the Lynch bandwagon now. And, like, they're very, very on like we have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Do you think that's necessary for them to do even with Bradford being signed? I don't. Um, I really don't. I think they have the luxury of going after the guy they want. I think they have the luxury of you know being patient and finding out what guy is their guy. I don't think that they're going to be able to get Carson Wentz. He's going to be gone at two. The, the Browns are done. They're, they're zero good on that one. Um, at least Goff, who's probably going to San Fran at seven. So uh, if they want Lynch, the Rams would be the competition there. I don't know that, uh, you know, and I, and I don't know if they want Lynch. Lynch had some medical issues there at the combine, uh, bad shoulder. So I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the best play. Peterson might have somebody else in mind. Okay. Uh, and as far as, like, uh, draft needs that are not quarterback heavy, uh, what do you think makes the most sense in the earlier rounds here for the Eagles? Well, obviously, you need to get younger on the offensive line. Um so that would that would make sense if the right player is there. <laughs> Ideally, you just want playmakers, and I think that's I think that's what you need to be looking for. What playmaker falls in your lap there? Snap them up. Obviously, the combine got over last weekend, and we had a lot of different takes, especially with you know the wide receiver class and everything else. Is there anything that stood out to you the most? Is there something that's like, wow, I didn't expect this from uh, this guy or or this position group or uh, good or bad? You know, I, the tight end class is pretty bad this year. Um, you pretty much have the kid from Stanford and uh, and Hunter Henry out of Arkansas at the top there. That's about it. Uh, not a good year to be needing a tight end. Uh, like I said, Josh Doxson, the wide receiver from TCU, uh, as a kid I've, I've, I've kind of been enamored with. I saw him up at Wyoming when I was scouting uh, a, a, a favorite quarterback of mine a few years ago. Uh, I always thought that kid would be something. He's really uh, really turned it on lately, so I think he could be um, he could be something in the uh, in the NFL. A lot of people had him pegged as like a day two guy. I think he goes day one. Yeah, so do I. I think that uh, he's been one of my my favorite guys throughout here. I think he's kind of like the the forgotten wide receiver because you see all the, the different kind of impacts that a Corey Coleman or a Treadwell or anybody can make there. But uh, even Michael Thomas, and I think they they would pass up on the better wide receiver. But uh, you know, Benjamin, we appreciate the time, my friend, and uh, we'll be looking forward to obviously the the breaking news of anything Bradford like <laughs> in the near future. We appreciate it, bud. <laughs> All right, you guys take care. And again, uh, big thanks to Benjamin Albright for I, he just <laughs> messaged me and said sorry. I was completely out of breath. I was coming out from a workout. All good, my friend. We we appreciate the time, regardless. So before we were talking to Benjamin, uh, we were talking to this Benjamin, our, our our own Benjamin, and I was just saying, is that selecting like a Corey Coleman or or whoever that makes that impact at wide receiver? Is that the best kind of bang to complete the core here? I love I love Corey Coleman. I think that's that's been evident since like August. But and somebody could make an argument that taking an, uh, a wide receiver would be a big impact move for the team. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them. But like before I really get to that, I want to just say something about Jordan Matthews, because I still think that Jordan Matthews is somewhat of an unknown because in Chip's offense, in the offense of the past two years, 98% of Matthews' uh, snaps were happening in the slot. And when you're operating so much out of the slot, you basically have like a very small bandwidth in terms of what you can really bring to the team. And his first year, he was outstanding in the slot because you had a, a Jeremy Macklin working over the top. So 
Matthews was able to kind of work in a really open space and he was able to create after the catch. And he was actually, you know, really good player after the catch. But this season, what you saw happen was the field tightened a lot because there is no vertical threat. There is no home run threat on the offense. And Matthews was asked to continue to play in the slot, you know, 98, 99% of the snaps, but you're working in a much smaller area of the field. It's not as open because you don't have a Jerry Macklin. You don't have a Deshaun Jackson to open that part of the field up for you. Um, and because of that, you know, Matthews really struggled this year because the like, offenses were just really teeing off on the middle of the field and knowing that the ball was probably going to end up going there. And it was just, you can't run your offense through that part of the field unless you have an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady throwing to a Randall Cobb or a Wes Welker or a, you know, a Julian Edelman, it just doesn't work unless you have like a hyper, hyper efficient quarterback, a hyper, hyper efficient wide receiver. And I think that Matthews really needs to get a look on the outside because he has the size, he has the speed. There is a physicality there to his, to his game that you weren't, you didn't even get to take a look at any of that because he was playing in the slot so much and he was asked to just kind of cover such a small level of the field. So I think that and and you could use this you could literally flip this argument on its head to say yeah so we need a Corey Coleman you need a Will Fuller you need a Josh Doxson to stretch the field um, and then you can open that space up for Jordan Matthews and and you know what I'd say that's a good argument but I do think it's important for the team to evaluate Jordan Matthews potentially as an outside receiver because he has all the skill sets to do so. Um, so if it gets to pick 13, and then this is where I'm going to circle around, like if it gets to pick 13 and you have a Corey Coleman on the board or you have a Josh Doxson or even a Will Fuller, you know, just sitting there, but you also have a Sheldon Rankins there, you take Sheldon Rankins because, you know, athletic 300 pounders don't just grow on trees. They're rare rare athletes to get a guy like Sheldon Rankins, who's, you know, 6'1", 300 pounds and has a vertical jump of 34 and a half inches and a broad jump of 118 inches. I mean, he is just a ridiculous athlete at the defensive tackle position. And uh, Jim Schwartz and the, you know, his, his defensive line, you know, it sometimes calls for uh, two, three techniques. And, and when you have a wide nine defensive line, look, you're going to get two, three techniques. And if you can get Sheldon Rankins, and, and Fletcher Cox both playing three technique at the same time and teeing off against the pass. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's just going to wreck an <laughs> offense. Like, that's going to be great. Uh, and that, like that type of value, like that is so valuable. And to pass on that in the first round for a wide receiver, as much as I think that getting that explosive element in the offense is important. I think adding a, a potentially rare playmaker on defense like Sheldon Rankins, I think is a lot more valuable. Um, but if, you know, Rankins is gone and Kandike is gone and they don't really see that type of uh, blow up in your face type of athlete on defense, but you have one of these explosive uh, wide receivers, you can stretch the field, do it. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. If you could get Nelson Aguilar and Corey Coleman or Nelson Aguilar and and uh, Josh Doxson on the outside, and then you can just let Jordan Matthews do his work in the slot. That's a that's a that's a damn fine receiving core and a young one at that. So I, I would be fine with that. But it's not the the first thing I would go for. See, I think I think I somewhat agree with you. I think there's parts of Matthews' game where you can put him on the outside. He's going to win every time in that slot, though, Ben. I, I just honestly agree. I, I'm probably with the rest of a lot of the Eagles fans here. That's where he's going to win, and he needs help there. You know, he can't be that. Obviously, he's not a number one guy. I think that's pretty much been established. Maybe he is. Maybe he some, somehow grows into that. I think he's definitely one of the best number twos and could grow into, like, you know, baby Bolden or, or whatever it is, or baby T.O., and he's just, that's what he does so well. He beats guys. He's going to have those mismatches there. And I think that's where that that just like you've been saying, that explosiveness on the outside is where you need it, whether that's through Nelson and somebody else or Nelson and some guy like, you know, the kid from Tulsa that you really like or who, whoever it is. I just think he needs he's more of a complimentary guy than the guy you go to. And even though he's the guy you go to in that second spot, if that makes any sense at all. You no, know, I, I, I completely I, I disagree with you a little bit. I think that I think Matthews is a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. But I see what you're saying. Uh, and and uh, the argument that I hear a lot is size is more valuable than the slot, where speed is more valuable on the outside. Yeah, I, 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 think we're, I disagree we're with seeing, that. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, 
And, uh, and, and I was saying last week, I think it's so important for this team to just like, if it's, if it's a running back or if it's a wide receiver or whatever, this team needs to figure out how to get the explosive playback on offense. Um, so if it ends up being, um, you know, Josh Doxson, Will Fuller, Corey Coleman, someone like that to, you know, pop the top off of a defense, you know, make the safeties take a couple steps back pre-play, anything to kind of make that the threat of that play exists. Because once you have the threat of that play existing, it's going to elevate everyone else. I mean, we saw that with prime Deshaun Jackson here, where you had, you know, McCoy, Selleck, both of them were running free because safeties were so terrified of Deshaun Jackson down the field. And it's so important to, to get that element back on the team because it's so hard to just kind of create offense otherwise. Yeah. And more or less like that's, ex- I mean, I think that's what Kelly was trying to do when he was here is to have those guys, that can play anywhere. In They can play in the slot. They can play on the outside. And that way, when those matchups call for it, that's essentially what you want. I think that's what everybody would want. That's why you would see just to your speed. That's why Julian Edelman makes people look like crap. That's why Malcolm Jenkins struggles with those small, tiny, freaking white guys that play in the slot or whoever's there because that's that's your matchup. When you get a, a, a tall, lengthy guy, uh, versus a quick speed guy, that's your mismatch, and vice versa with the other thing. So I, I agree with you in that sense. I just think that they're whatever it is, they still need that impact there, and maybe they don't. Maybe Nelson Aguilar surprises us all, and in the second year, makes a humongous leap. I just don't think you can have that type of insurance policy. But I'm more or less with you because I am obsessed with a lot of the defensive players in this draft here, and uh, a couple other free agents that have some interesting cuts today. As we went, Charles Johnson from uh, Carolina. Listen, he had a huge cap in. It's not that big of a surprise. At 29, again, along with Mario Williams is whatever. He's on the other side of 30. I think either one of those guys can fit here as well. I think that you're going to see one medium-sized splash here. And we, we've seen, you know, a, aggressive whatever. Adam Schefter's, uh, yeah, I think the Eagles are going to be aggressive. But I'm, I'm looking at the free agents, and I don't really see anything that's going to be very aggressive here i mean are they really gonna go after like jared cook <laughs> you know or like what does that mean is that alex mack and then you switch over and have kelsey play guard or like what what do you mean what do you take as an aggressive free agency from this and should they be aggressive at all when you're looking over the free agents here ben well two names that stand out to me in terms or actually i'm gonna give you three names that i really like in, in the free agents um uh i'm gonna give you Georgia Loca from Cincinnati, because there was a report earlier in the offseason that the Eagles would be aggressive going after a safety. And I think a Loca, you know, 6'4", 225 pounds, very, very rangy for his size, but also is a big hitter, can contribute against the run. I think that's the type of player that you could really see you know, work strong safety in this defense. And and then with if a loco was able to fit into our defense, you would basically have this entire secondary of just humongous athletic dudes. Uh, and I think that'd be really, I, I think that Schwartz would really like that. Um, another one, it, it's kind of a little bit out of left field, but I think Travis Benjamin's kind of an interesting free agent option because we were just Thought talking about, yep. yeah, we were just talking about wide receivers and, and Benjamin had a really outstanding seat this season, this past season in uh, in Cleveland as a vertical threat, despite what's the politically correct word, shit awful quarterback play. <laughs> I, like, I mean, he was <laughs> he was able to really produce impressively despite being in a not so ideal situation. So I think I would I mean, I think that'd be a nice addition. I think that uh, he could really bring that vertical threat and maybe even not, you know, not for even a lot of money. I think that'd be a really cool. Addition and now uh, the classic Eagles fan trope. I'm going to give you a guard. I think that Jeff Allen makes a lot of sense yeah. just because uh, you know solid guard from Kansas City. Uh, a lot of the guys I've talked to who are more familiar with the team are really, really a big fan of his. You know, they said at his healthiest, he can be one of the top ten guards in the league, and he has familiarity with Pet Peterson. So I think that just makes a lot of sense. Uh, that, I wouldn't. That's probably one of the moves I would not be shocked at all if that happened. And it would be a smart move, I think, for the team to, to do so they wouldn't have to, uh, I don't know, force a guard pick in the first round or something ridiculous like that. 
So I think those are probably some some of the splashiest names. Obviously, the Mario Williams thing makes a lot of sense. I think the team could use some depth along the defensive line, and Mario Williams is both a veteran and also very, very talented and had an outstanding season when he was with Schwartz uh, back in 2014, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's a couple other wide receivers that I went and listen. First of all, no one riding white, unless it's an absolute like $1 million for one year thing, maybe. Uh, obviously, Colston, no, because he failed a physical. Malcolm Floyd, no, because he's retiring. Same with Harvin. Brandon LaFell, no, thank you. Rod Streeter, no. Like, this is Anquan Bolden's, no. Like, there's just, there's a bunch of no's on here. I, I'm going to say one name because I think it's kind of interesting. And even though that I make fun of him constantly and he's always on and off my fantasy team, what do you think about Ruben Randall? 24, cheap, uh, could be a, a wide receiver, 3 4. I'm actually not sure if he plays special teams or not, but. Just throwing that out there as a cheap option if you if Benjamin's price gets a little high. What do you think of that? Well, I actually I brought I brought uh, Ruben Randall up to someone else the other day when they were talking about their team bringing up and uh, bringing in wide receivers, and he's interesting because he's always kind of had nice moments in in New York, but I think his biggest issue in New York was kind of like the timing based offense. And kind of being on this, he was he, he for some reason he was never on the same page with Eli Manning. It was the most ridiculous yeah. thing I've yeah. ever seen. Like like Eli Manning would like throw a go route and he'd run like like an out and it just end up being an interception or something ridiculous. Like they never seemed to be on the same page, which just blew my mind. Um, and I, that kind of worries me, especially with this offense, which is very also timing based and a lot of like West Coast principles. And I like I would get worried about that, especially if you're paying. Like I don't know what kind of money would you give him? Would you give him like Riley Cooper money? Uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure. But if you're gonna go for a guy like Ruben Randall, who's more of like a possession type, I'd much rather pay Marvin Jones, uh, who's yeah. the Cincinnati wide, you know, former or former Bengals wide receiver who who might be hitting the market. You know, all, he's a you know very solid route runner. Not exact. He's not an explosive player by any means, but you know, very very good route runner, good size, good physicality, and very dependable. Hands, which is something that this team could really need. So I think it would be a little I'm strange, I guess, if the team were to go for Marvin Jones, because I don't think he he brings that dynamic that a lot of us are, are looking for, for from the wide receiver position. I think a lot of us really want that explosive downfield guy, um, but he's definitely a solid player. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them bring bring his type in. Yeah, no, I could I could definitely see that. Mohamed Sanu, I know, is another popular name. Also, the Bengals wide receiver. Uh, there's some things they could do. I don't think anything's going to be like, oh man, unless it is like, you know, I I think the only, the biggest splash it could be Mario Williams. And I wouldn't be surprised in hint if they kind of made a push for him or at least kicked the tires. So it'll be interesting because free agency is starting soon. Also what is starting soon. And we are glad to have him right now as uh, we are recording this. He's about to head down to the Sam Bradford press conferences. We're uh, recording this just before that. From uh, EaglesWire.com, thank God that he is no longer in Baltimore because his football knowledge could not contain him. You can also check him out. He's a draft analyst at Football Game Plan. It's Mr. Teron Davenport joining us on the Clip and Hotline. Uh, Teron, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? I'm doing well. How about you? Well, I, not as well as you, gassing up the car, ready to go to, uh, listen to Sam Bradford uh, chat for a little bit here in his, his new uh, press conference here. First of all, I just want to get your thoughts on the deal itself, I mean, was that a smart move for both parties? Is that a win for the Eagles, for Bradford? What's your thoughts on it? I think it's a good move for both parties. It allows Sam Bradford to come into a scheme where he could be very productive and he could set himself up to sign another deal, whether it be with the Eagles or someplace else. For the Eagles themselves, I think it's a good deal because next year they could get out of it. I think it's only a $4 million penalty if they do so. So that allows them to possibly get their quarterback this year and develop him and, and unleash him next year. But either way, it's, it's a good deal for both sides. I, I wouldn't have gone to a long-term contract. It's obviously a higher amount of money uh, up front, you know, with the I think a 17 or 18 million this year. But at the same time, they they could get out of it next year. Uh, and I want to just pivot because I know you were down at the combine, and that's a lot of the a lot of the chunk that what we're talking about here today and. You know, Josh Doxson, I think, pretty much impressed everybody. And I know that you had reported that the Eagles had definitely had an interview and sat down with him. What do you make of the interest there? Is it really heavy? And what are your thoughts on Josh Doxson overall as maybe the one, the second or maybe even the first 
uh, best wide receiver in this class? Well, Josh Dotson told me he had an informal with them, and then he had a formal one scheduled as well. So I think that the interest should definitely be there. You look at what that team needs, and you look at what he brings to the table, he's a downfield threat. I mean, we're talking about the best perimeter receiver in this draft class. And obviously, Treadwell is, is a guy that everybody thinks about, and I think he is the number one overall receiver. And you have 1B, Corey Coleman. But I think Josh Doxson, at number three, just the way he can make plays on the perimeter, um, how he goes up and attacks the football, and, and it, that's what you want. You need a vertical threat in this offense. But then, even furthermore, he's a guy that can catch the slant, and he may not run completely away from defenders, but he could take the ball a good distance. And I like Josh Doxson as a receiver. So I think that he's definitely a fit, and I think the interest is definitely real. Yeah, and sticking with receivers, because I think that it's a position that the Eagles are going to really evaluate over this offseason. I know that you you uh, talked to Leonta Carew when you were at the Senior Bowl, and I think you talked to him as well when you were at the Combine. And I just wanted to get get some of your thoughts on him, because I know I'm a, I'm a really big fan of his game and uh, what, he, what he can bring to the team. You're a fan of Leonte Carew, and rightfully so. Um, I love his physicality. He's physical within his routes. He's physical at the top of his break. And, uh, you know, he's able to use his body to create separation. Now, he's not a 6'4", 230-pound receiver. He's six feet, 211 pounds, but he has a big body. And he knows how to use it to shield defenders from the football. And you'll see him be very productive on routes across the middle. And on top of that, he likes to block. I think that he would come in and, and be an excellent uh, player for the Eagles in this game. And when I think of, of Leontay Carew, you know, another Rutgers guy comes to mind, and that's um, – Muhammad Sanu. I, I think you get similar players, uh, guys that can work the middle of the field, the intermediate uh, passing game. Uh, I think that he's really, really a good player. He's underrated. There are some teams like the Ravens who have dropped him off of their board because of the, you know, the background issues that he, he had going on. But I think he's a good fit and he feels the same way. You know, he told me that he loves the way that scheme, you know, he watched the Chiefs, you know, and obviously Peterson is coming from the Chiefs. And he loves the way that scheme got the ball into the hands of the receivers, gave him a chance to make plays. And he feels he's a playmaker that could do the same thing. Yeah, I'm totally excited about where he ends up and what he can do in the NFL. But besides him, was there anyone in the combine that really stood out to you, either in interviews or in drills or doing any of the athletic testing? Yeah, you know, Kiaris Garrett from Tulsa is a guy that I think a lot of people are are, are you know, kind of sleeping on. He, he's a bigger receiver. He, he has some really good games uh, against uh, better competition. And uh, at 6'4", 223, he could get in and out of his breaks. He's really good at that. But in interviewing him, you know, he said that the Eagles were his favorite team growing up. He was a big Donovan McNabb fan. Oh, well, there and you he go. Said, <laughs> oh, man. That's the match right the there, are right? Ringing. Yeah. But he said even once McNabb left, he was still an Eagles fan. He said, that's my team. I, I was going to ride with him. And obviously, you have to use past tense because he's now going to be in the NFL and who knows fourth round fifth round he, he could end up being an eagle yeah that was uh it was actually one of Ben's guys so you know a lot of a lot of synergy going on here Toronto I, I love to hear that and with uh I, I guess just overall now that the Bradford deal is done I, I guess for the last two episodes the, the next debate is going to be okay well did the Eagles end up taking a quarterback in the first round I've been very much against that even if Bradford wasn't here, I don't think it's the, that great of a situation. But overall, I mean, wh who do you think the Eagles should be looking at in the first or second round if they can move and get back up there? Just overall, like, who do you think is, what's the biggest need for this team and what's the biggest player that would fit in that need? Just overall, um, I, I would say, I mean, there's a couple. Um, Jack Conklin is a guy that obviously will be a good match, but the thing is, do you take a first-round pick uh, use it in, on a guy that, that may not play this year. You know, Jason Peters is clearly the starter, and Conklin, he could play left or right tackle, and obviously Lane Johnson is there on the right side. I wouldn't move him into guard, so what do you do in that situation? He's probably the, the best match, but then you look at some of the other guys. If they're able to, to uh, trade down, you know, and, and acquire a second-round pick, I think a guy like Cody White here has to come into play. Vidal Alexander as well out of LSU. These are guys that can play guard and tackle, but in my book, they're best suited for guard. So those are a couple. And then uh, Daniel Jeremiah, you know, he interviewed for the, the head of player personnel uh, job with the Eagles. And um, 
his mock he released on on a, a couple of days ago had them taking Corey Coleman. And yes. I think that's really a, a good option. They need playmakers. And when it comes to making plays, I don't think there's a, a bigger playmaker in all of college football than Corey Coleman. So he's someone that could definitely come in and, and do some things for them. And a lot of people underestimate, and my guy Brandon Howard from Sports Talk Florida, he, he, he was on this. And, and a lot of people underestimate what you could do with Corey Coleman. You could do things out of the backfield with him as well as line him up in the slot or outside. He has the ability to run by receivers, or excuse me, corners. He's tough to, to play the slot position. So I think that he's a guy that could definitely be a fit also. And he should be there at 13. Yeah, Brandon, uh, we actually had on when Miami came to play last year. We we really enjoyed talking to him. The last, last thing I'll say uh, out of this is, and then we'll get you out of here, is you mentioned Daniel Jeremiah and that whole thing. What are your thoughts on that? Because I always thought that was that's a little it's a little weird, right? And it's not the and it's not the it's not the first TV personality that they interviewed for that type of spot. Like, what what do you make of that? Well, I think it's a, a little bit of a different situation because Jeremiah actually has experience doing that. So he he worked with the Eagles themselves. He also worked with the Ravens. So he's been in scouting departments. So I don't think it's that strange. Um, it, it's definitely one of those things where you don't leave a rock unturned. And they have been searching for a guy to take over. I think Howie Roseman has done a good job so far. But, I mean, I, I don't think it was a bad idea. And, again, it was just an interview. There was no offer that was extended to him. And, hey, for Daniel Jeremiah's case, NFL Network said, hey, <laughs> we're going to give you a couple more dollars. We don't want you to even <laughs> think about going anywhere. There you go. Maybe, yeah, the old uh, the old media contract is up, so it could have been just that as well. Well, Teron Davenport, again, from EaglesWire.com, also the draft analyst over at Football Game Plan. We uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, let us in on the scoops that you find out at the Bradford uh, Press Conference, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. I got you guys. Thanks for having me on. So, again, it just seems like – more or less been like, I feel like that's why Tehran, maybe that's why we like him so much because he's very much in sync with how we are thinking, how we would approach this draft and how we would approach free agency, et cetera, et cetera. So again, great follow uh, at T Davenport underscore uh, NFL here. And Ben, we haven't, speaking of that, and I know we got his thoughts on the combine. I think we should, I, I think it's time to pat ourselves on the back a little bit and then, and then, and then make fun of us. Uh, and I'll parlay it with this question because it's it's starting to heat up now. Well, whether then the Eagles' own website had said this, which I thought that was pretty interesting. The, the Eric Rhodes safety talk is heated back up again. I know we were on that train in the beginning, and before he was drafted, and I think both of us, once we saw the Jets game, went, "Okay, never mind, never mind, <laughs> move him out," because they they rotated him so much in the beginning because of the injuries to Shepard and everybody else that was there. They put him in the slot. They put him on the outside. And then, you know, he saw some game action and really kind of turned it on and then never really looked back. So people are asking, and this is, comes from Johnny Page, our good friend over there, who's saying, look, you know, he's looked at a lot of the Schwartz defenses. They don't really, you know, play a lot of press corner. It plays more off. Is he effective in that role? I think my answer to that would be, first of all, A, absolutely, because if he can play safety, he can play off. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's not much difference there I think his strength is press I think his strength is I think all around he's a really good cornerback I, I think he is basically he feels and looks like Malcolm Jenkins uh the second thing is I'm gonna just go ahead and just uh, give you this uh four four uh 4.4640 uh 99 <laughs> athletic ability of the same spider chart to Eric Rowe uh, Sean Davis, who we've been talking about for the last couple of months here, had a phenomenal, phenomenal combine. So my answer to all this is, yes, he can play corner. And if you're looking for more of a heavy-hitting Eric Rowe, Sean Davis is your answer. And now I'm obsessed with the Eagles drafting him right now, Ben. Yeah, I would like that for a bunch of reasons. One, because he's super athletic. Two, because he's super versatile. And three, because he's a huge asshole. And I say that, and I say that, in the, like, I want to say that, like, that's like the, I mean that in a really nice way, because I think it's so important for this team to kind of develop a personality because you you had three of Chip Kelly trying to make the personality of, of this football team as vanilla as possible, just like boring like neutered personalities ever. And then you look at the Super Bowl teams recently and you have like the Broncos and the Broncos have Akeem Tlaib and Vaughn Miller and uh, TJ Ward and just like these really kind of, I don't know, brash person 
they bring this kind of great attitude to the defense that elevates it. And then you go back a little bit and you have, you know, Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman and Cam Chance talks and they all talk. It's fantastic. And people feed off that. Like the entire team feeds off of that. And uh, I think that that's going to be a really big thing for this team because, you know, personality is important. And I, and uh, if they're going to be taking on the personality of their coordinator, who's Jim Schwartz, who's a fucking madman, like that's going to be great. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and Sean Davis talks so much shit. Like you see yes. it on tape. You saw it during like all-star, like the all-star circuit. Like he just, he's just a shit talker and it's fantastic. And, and I think that's going to be, I think it's awesome just to kind of get guys like that on the on the defense who are going to be able to make mental midgets uh, out of offensive players. I think that's very, very important. So I'm all for that. I think that, you know, if they want to get grab them on day two, like, let's party. Like, I'm, I'm all for that. Well, and Eric Rose is that same type of guy, too. I mean, the, 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 the less we forget the, you know, the, the talk back and forth with Steve Smith, like, it, during those joint practices last year as a rookie. Like, he's there. That's what I'm saying. I agree with Ben. 1,000% here. Make this, I want everybody to complain about Philadelphia Eagles defense. I, I Every single person. I want them to be the dirtiest thing. Because think of that for a moment. Go back to 2014 when you had Seattle in here. A, a very important game just before you were going to see a division rival in Dallas. And how much everybody said that the Seattle Seahawks were a bunch of pricks. Because they kept kicking everybody's ass, pointing to the stands and letting you know about it. Denver Broncos, total assholes, very just a ton of swagger, all that stuff. I, I want that. I want those 15-yard penalties, not in the fourth quarter when it comes down to the game. To, I'm, I'm not looking for Pac-Man Jones. I'm not looking for those types. I'm looking for disciplined, hard-hitting shit talkers. That's, I think, the, the identity that Schwartz always brings with him, and I agree with you 100%. That Sean Davis would fit in Philadelphia so well just not only with his play style, with what's going on here, but just for the fans alone to see some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I love all that. And I can't believe, I couldn't believe, well, I get it at the time. I mean, listen, they, they just beat the Eagles. Every single person, including myself, would love the Seattle Seahawks. If the Seattle Seahawks changed the logo and they were the Philadelphia Eagles, it would be the, the, the best thing that ever happened to this town. Don't you agree, Ben? I mean, like, if, if, if I mean, during that town- run... Woof. This town idolizes Brian Dawkins and that dude, like, <laughs> I mean, he, he, like, he was ding, just, ding, like, ding, just ding, screamed ding. at dudes and just completely made, I mean, he was a massive shit talker and pretty dirty hitter too. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, I don't know, like, it's sometimes it's important to get guys like that on your team. If you have a bunch of like really boring players, which Kelly made every effort to, to, to really assemble, it, it just kind of it, it hurts the playing attitude if you're not thinking aggressively and not acting aggressively you're probably not going to be playing aggressively on a regular basis yeah and i think this also I, i've been thinking about this for a little bit i think this also wakes up byron maxwell a little bit more you know I'm not saying that like his play becomes totally adjusted but at least there's some of that back i think there was that there were part of it was missing last year you know, like between him, because we 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 look at Malcolm Jenkins as the bow tie and all that. He's the, when he's on the field, he's just like the rest of those. So again, I I said it last episode, and Ben, I don't know if you've seen the the thirty for thirty on the eighty five Bears. It feels like that, like it's nineteen eighty one. There's a lot of talent that was kind of either underused or not used. Right, like it just didn't feel right because of whatever was going on with Kelly's offense and all that. I'm I was always a big believer in. Whatever said, even though I hated Kerry Williams saying it, that they tired out a lot of these guys. They weren't uh, uh, the ability to show what they were actually able to do was, I don't know, cut in half a little bit. So I kind of feel like this, this, and and you can just tell from their social media interactions that this wakes up everybody. They're like, oh man, are they pumped? Are they pumped to finally be in something that they can just go after and kill people? That's how I feel about. This does this defense has a chance to be special here, Ben? Do, I mean, that's what I've been feeling all along. Well, the the on the Brian uh, the By, Brian on the Byron Maxwell point, I think it's important to realize that like he had his best seasons, his best two seasons when he was working with uh, Dan Quinn and Pete Carroll in Seattle. And Dan Quinn and Pete Carroll are like the most like rah rah type of coaches in the national football league and you see that like constantly they're getting their defensive players to really respond to them both on and off the field and and they're really i mean they just play fast play aggressively uh because they just kind of respond to their coach that way and that's kind of how their coach 
like interacts. And I think that's super important. And, and when you go from that to rah-rah type of coaches who, who, who can really get, you know, players riled up and, and, and rallied around them to a guy like Billy Davis, who from a personality standpoint is just kind of whatever. Yeah, it can, it can definitely have an impact on the way a player approaches his game. And, but when you go from that to a Jim Schwartz, he's also a rah-rah type of crazy person, but I, I love him. I think that's going to have a really positive impact and, and I'm excited to see uh, if and how, Byron Maxwell responds to that. Yeah, so and so am I. And maybe it's just wishful thinking. And I don't know what's I don't know what's got me jacked up about it. Like I get more and more excited about the defense the more I look at the draft, free agency, and just the guys that are here. You know, I think we get stuck in those in those uh, you know kind of miserable moments, and rightfully so. There's nothing to say that it's it's going to be. And you know, maybe I'm just drinking drinking the Jim Schwartz Kool Aid, but I I don't know. I, I guess that and, and for overall, I mean, that's to what has me kind of pumped about the season is the fact that the defense I don't you know the, I'm, I'm not pumped about the offense I, I'm not going to be convinced that it's going to be there just basically looking at you know I, I don't know what the scheme is exactly going to be we can only look at Andy Reid I don't really know if that's Doug Peterson we can look at Frank Wright's you know passing concepts I don't know if that's really going to transition I don't know what they're going to come up with so I'm going to need to see something before I can judge that one way or the other I am excited that Bradford is here I know people don't like that but like I think that gives you a chance to win the division I think Sam Bradford with the defense gives you a chance to win uh the division here uh Ben the the one thing that we will do so you know along with that and and just some final combine thoughts here uh Jason Spriggs hits that's what I'm saying like we've been on that train for a while it, it, and, I, and I love that, the, you know, people are starting to see that. So along with Sean Davis, that was great. Josh Doxson's been very heavy. We've talked about that all show. Had an amazing combine. Pat ourselves on the back for that. Corey Coleman uh, you know, didn't do a lot, but still is in the conversation here. Uh, ben, everybody's talking about your guys, too. The one place where we missed. Holy hell. What what happened to Deronya Wilson? What happened to me looking at that tape and going, you know what? I think everybody's on onto something here. And then going around like, oh no, actually Sterling Shepard is the guy we thought he was. And Deronny Wilson is not. What happened with Deronny Wilson? Why is he the slowest person ever to run wide receiver for? Well, future offensive tackle Deronny Wilson really <laughs> disappointed a lot of people at the combine. Uh, and someone did say that it looked physically painful for him to run the 40s. So I'm I'm thinking he might have been injured, although it could have just been like the like it just is physically painful to watch anyone run a four nine forty when they weigh two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, but I think it's going to be. I need to keep an eye on his pro day because I mean he was never a, a burner on tape, but I didn't. I mean I never thought he was that slow. So there has to be something going on. But I will eat my words about that. Um, and I had to I had to go back and look look at a lot of stuff, and I still I still like him a lot more than than most people. But athletic ability is definitely a big question with him. Yeah, no, and it, and it kind of completely turned me off by him. Like I I think we had said ahead of time, and somebody can correct us if we're wrong. The funny part about this is I don't know who it was, but it was I think it was uh, Sterling's brother or cousin or something else, and it was just before combine it. And I had said, yeah, I, I was talking to our, our good uh, friend Colin, uh, who listens to us all the time, and we appreciate it, buddy, that I think I would move Sterling out of my four, and I expect to run you Wilson. I have a strong combine, and I'm going to put him as my fourth overall wide receiver. And his cousin was like, yeah, you're an idiot. Smack my head, all this other stuff. He's like, yeah, what an intelligent comment. I was about ready to come back and blast him. So uh, I cannot now, and I feel like a moron. So, yeah, I think, I think Sterling Shepard – who had a, a fantastic combine is another guy that I, I think he's talked about enough. I think everybody knows about him, but kind of turned my eye about a little bit and said, okay, I think the tape is the real deal. He's a little more physical than I thought he could be too. Um, is that where you're kind of at now? I know a lot of people are having trouble that one, two, three is pretty easy. And, and it, I don't think anybody argues it four, five, and six, I think is way still up in the air and wide receiver wise. Would you agree with that? Or is there somebody that's definitely sticking out for you now? I think that the thing with Sterling Shepard is he like you can worry about his physicality and, and how he does in traffic and everything like that. But in the end, it's not really his game. And I don't I don't 
put too much stock in the physicality of players who are so or who are able to so consistently keep themselves clean. And this was kind of the situation that my my evaluation of Amari Cooper last year, you know, Cooper didn't have great hands when, when he got like involved with defensive backs and he wasn't doing great in traffic and everything like that, but he was able to kind of keep himself so clean because of how good of a route runner he was and how, you know, how quick he is um, that he wasn't really catching a lot of passes in traffic. And I think that Sterling Shepard is the same type of player where he he's, he's such a clean route runner. He's such a good technician. He's so quick that he's going to be in the open field so much where he doesn't really have to deal with that many bodies around him. Uh, is he a number one wide receiver? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I do definitely think he can be Randall Cobb and Randall Cobb is an outstanding number two wide receiver. And I don't think anyone should, anyone would uh, gawk at the idea of a player being Randall Cobb. Uh, last thing I'll, I'll touch on that. Do you think, because I know the arguments, it's, especially with Jordan Matthews, the argument's been made like you shouldn't draft number two wide receivers early. I guess that, that really depends a lot on if you already have a number one or whatever. But do you subscribe to that theory as well? Like you should never, if those guys are there, if their ceiling is number two, are you waiting until three, four, five to draft those guys? I mean, it's, it's hard to defend definitively say yes or no and i think we need to nuance these things but by like what else is going on with your football team because i think that like if you look at the colts last year where the colts drafted a philip dorsett at number 30 where you know they had just uh they had just paid andre johnson they already had ty hilton they already had dante moncrief they already had a bunch of weapons there uh and they also needed tons of help both in the offensive and defensive lines but instead decided to go with a skill player, like that was really questionable. And I think we saw this past year that that really hurt them and in the, in, in kind of looking and investing more in skill players rather than investing in the trenches really hurt them and, and physically hurt Andrew Luck. But on the flip side of that, a couple years ago in the 2013 class, uh, when the Texans decided that, the, you know, they were finally going to get Andre Johnson, a, a number two wide receiver, and they drafted DeAndre Hopkins. I think they're pretty happy that they drafted DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins probably is one of the best wide receivers in the league right now. Uh, so it, it really comes down to the context of what your current situation is. And if you look at the Eagles, you could say that they don't really have a number one wide receiver right now because, yeah, we don't really know what Jordan Matthews or who Jordan Matthews is, especially in this new offense. And this team could still really use like a true X at, you know, wide receiver, uh, someone who could really turn. And if you can get that guy, if you can get someone who can command, like take command as a number one wide receiver, all the other receivers get better uh, because it frees up, you know, def- it frees up defenders and frees up space for them. Yeah. So it's all about context. And I, I think that the Eagles are a situation where you wouldn't be drafting a number two wide receiver. You'd be drafting a number one wide receiver. Uh, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be kind of interesting. I'm, I'm, I think I'm most, I'm most curious about what they do there. Uh, and I don't think it's, listen, I think there's a way to win even with the guys here and even with some of the free agents we were talking about, but very curious kind of what they do here. Ben, uh, Sam Bradford's going to speak. Uh, what is his first words going to be? I'm sick and tired of <laughs> that redhead on Eagles Twitter fucking tweeting about me. Like, I'm going to th- I'm going to throw more than 25 touchdowns next year and prove him wrong. There you go. That's going to do it for us uh, right here on uh, BleedingGreenNation.com and BGN Radio, episode number 155 for myself, John Barchard, Ben Natan. We will see you next week as free agency. Gets the giddy up. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.